welcome to Moxton's Torch. Glad you could join us for the December 20th episode. We have a fun episode today. We're going to review Florida's loss in the Vegas Bowl. Review the weekend that was in SEC basketball. Hint, in case you didn't pay attention, it was not great. Uh, Arkansas hired a defensive coordinator. I have personally worked with him twice at two different stops at Auburn and UCF. I'm talking about Travis Williams, former SEC linebacker. Devin Leary today announced he was going to Kentucky, rejoining, or not rejoining, Liam Cohen uh, rejoined Kentucky. So he's got a nice weapon to start off with in the spring throughout the fall next year. Devin Leary, quarterback from NC State, announced he was going to Kentucky. We also, on Friday, we got Bryce Young and Will Anderson announced they're going to play in the Sugar Bowl against Kansas State. And finally, the big one, signing day is tomorrow and goes through uh, Friday. Let's, let's hop into that just real quick. We can just review some of the rankings as we get in. Alabama, I know many people think the dynasty's dead. And, and there's issues they got to sort out. There's no doubt about it. Two things can be true at the same time. Tide comes in according to on three, though. Ranked number one in the country. Uh, Georgia coming into top two programs in the country. Uh, no if ands or buts about it. Future SEC team, can t- uh, Texas coming in at six. LSU seven. Florida nine. Tennessee 11. Texas A&M 15. South Carolina 17. Arkansas 19. Uh, and that would be it. Ole Miss just sitting outside the top 25 at 26. And newly hired coach uh, Hugh Freeze at Auburn coming in at 28th. thing I kind of like about it, I was playing around with it last night. The thing I kind of like about on three, it is what it is. I, I get a little bit caught up into the NIL stuff. I like talking about it to some extent. If you haven't paid attention, on three has like an NIL calculator projection for uh, players. They even do it for their team rankings now. I'm recruiting what the average player will make uh, at Alabama. It's like right now, the average NIL value of an Alabama player in this 23 class, where Alabama is ranked number one, with 24 commits, 136 grand a year is what they're calculating for that. Georgia, 108k. Uh, let's keep going. LSU 73k. We're getting a little lower. Florida 77k. Tennessee 104. A&M 114. South Carolina 18. So a significant drop off there. Arkansas 23. And then Ole Miss just outside at 50, and Auburn at 25. An interesting one here that's not in the SEC, but will be in probably about two years. <laughs> Look at this one. Texas coming in at 290K. They're projecting per player on Texas's team. I mean, Alabama, remember, at 136. So Texas would definitely be second. It's just interesting seeing that. After working in the industry, I don't get real fired up about the recruiting rankings anymore. I, I do realize perception is reality. And then the SEC, signing day is another game, right, wrong, or indifferent, or at least it used to be. So I'm getting to my point here. Five, six years ago, yeah, it kind of mattered where you were finished on uh, finished ranking-wise because you had the boosters, the guys who write your checks, help you out with facilities, now help you out with NIL, keeping players, going to get players. They do care about team rankings because it's something they can discuss over a drink or at a bar or at a meeting they're going to with their buddy who's a fan of another team, or a big booster for another team. It's something they can do. Oh, we finished top five, y'all are 10th, 10th. I mean, y'all finished, or sorry, you finished eighth. Well, that's about, what, fifth or sixth in the SEC. We finished top five, we're second or third, or hell, one. Like, stuff like that. And for the casual fan, 
and for it is fun to talk about i think it's even a bit more relevant now because you really don't even know i mean there's gonna be a new transfer portal wave after this you really don't know how these classes are really going to look because a lot of these guys won't even be on the roster next year so i don't think it's as important as it used to be now obviously there's some facts to it i think some of it they go back and change a little bit but you do look most of the teams that finish in the top five are teams that are good i mean look one through four right now, Alabama at one, Georgia at two, Miami at three, Ohio State at four. Three out of those four teams uh, were top five teams in the final college football playoff. I mean, Georgia won, Ohio State came in at four, and Bama at five. The only team that's kind of just the anomaly right now, but obviously has major tradition, a head coach at play there, a really good recruiter in Mario Cristobal, is Miami. Coming in at three is a little bit surprising. Uh, other than that, tech, Notre Dame, Texas, I mean, it's traditional blue bloods with teams that are also having success. LSU coming in at seven. They won the West this year. So, I mean, a lot of it, I like looking at the recruiting rankings. Just wanted to bring up the average NIL, which I thought was uh, interesting. Alabama coming in at 136, 136,000 per player. Georgia, 108. And then future SEC team, uh, Texas rolling in at 290 per player. So, that's interesting. Um Moving on, transitioning. So we did have a football game this past week. Las Vegas Bowl. Florida versus Oregon State. Oregon State getting to the 30-3 to win. Oregon State getting the 30-3 to win. Very little offense overall in general in this one. Oregon State just pulled away from the Gators in the second half. Florida did not have the offense that was built to come back in this game. Remember, they started Jack Miller, who was their third-string quarterback, after Anthony Richardson opted out and then the Kitna situation legally. He threw 219 yards, 100, uh, Florida total had 219 yards, 180 passing, 39 rushing. The rushing yardage was obviously a little surprising to me, honestly. Oregon State was solid on offense, but they just ultimately wore down a Florida defense that knew their offense wasn't going to generate enough offense to come back and probably was missing their best defensive player in Ventrell Miller. Disappointing finish, though, to the Gator season that started out so optimistically, especially that first weekend after the big Utah win. Consistency, in my opinion, will be key for this Gator program heading into the offseason. They sit, I just read you, they sit, they sit ninth, ninth in the team rankings. They're doing a solid job in recruiting. Uh, how many new faces, staff, and players will be there? Going back to recruiting, how many guys they kind of quote-unquote process? How many new staff members does Billy Napier kind of fill the lay of the land? How he's got a lot to go by. He's got a lot of staff members off the field to go through. Hey, how do they fit the program after a year? All right, let's keep them. All right, let's go another direction. It, it, it's just kind of the truth in college football. Uh, they usually make some changes, new head coaches after year one, after assessing a year, kind of seeing the lay of the land. If you're a Florida fan, there's no need to panic. Uh, but this is a big offseason. They need to fix some things. Uh Grayson McCall looks like he may be a quarterback they're bringing in. Apparently, uh, Auburn, he didn't have the credit hours that would transfer over at Auburn to get a degree. He wanted, I think, sports management. So that just he wasn't going to be able to transfer to Auburn until August. So he wants to go to a program where he can be an early enrollee. Kind of screams Florida because I think it was down to Auburn in Florida. He was supposed to go to an OV on, to Auburn this past Friday. But once they figured out the grade situation, both uh, parties kind of went separate ways. Looks like Florida for Grayson McCall right now. So Florida, it's first year, guys. It's first year. No need to panic. Did they do it? Did they underachieve? Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Again, two things can both be fact at the same time. I do think there's no need to panic, but also they underachieve. But hey, first time being a head coach in the SEC, had some things to learn. I was told I was crazy for the Gator picking the Gators to go six and six. But first year, man, it's not just a. You roll in and have great success. I'll be honest with you. The guys who usually come and peak first year usually don't have long-term 
uh, success, not a lot, a lot of longevity. I mean, look at Gus Malzahn, who had the biggest turnaround in NCAA history, won the SEC that year, lost the national championship, could arguably have won that game, and he ultimately just fazzled out. He wasn't terrible, honestly. I think Gus was one of the better coaches Auburn's ever had, but again, it just didn't last. So I'm going to give Billy Napier and his staff the benefit of the doubt. He's done a good job putting structure around himself, that they're going to be able to get the job done, I think, in the portal. Watch for Florida is kind of a team on the rise next year, in my opinion. Now, transitioning to the hardwood here. Weekend basketball recap. Getting into the big games. About to preview this upcoming week's games. Let's just get right to it. Let's be blunt. The SEC really struggled this past weekend. Was it make or break weekend? No. But it'll be something the committee, and I think some of the bigger media will be talking about uh, come March, this past weekend, December 17th, 18th week, the SEC went 0-3 against the Pac-12. Kentucky took a loss to the Pac-12 in UCLA. Tennessee took a loss in a tough road environment where I actually was somewhat impressed with them at Arizona. And Auburn was the one that really did not hold it strongly. They, they also, I think, an average, above average USC team on Sunday. Biggest win, though, for the league this past week had to be probably Missouri's buzzer beater over UCF. I thought Tennessee was impressive. The way they fought, they showed some physicality on the road at Arizona, a team that a team in Arizona that was going to be fired up, kind of pissed off. They lost to Tennessee last year. I thought they kind of combated that well. I was impressed with Tennessee, even though they took a loss. Um, Kentucky left a big opportunity on the table. Just had offensive inconsistencies is going to keep Kentucky – um, I think away from being a Final Four national title contender. I know that's easy to say now. I don't know how that's really going to get fixed. I think guys like C.J. Frederick, uh, Reeves, guys like that, some transfer portal guys they brought in have not really been as good as they probably had hoped or expected. Um, should be a good way to say it. I mean, they just Kentucky's has to be better than that. I mean, there's you should not only be scoring 53 points at the University of Kentucky. Like, it's bad. They should, probably should have won the UCLA game. I thought going in, you saw my feature. I put them as the number one team. It needed to have a big resume-building win on Saturday. They didn't get it done. Uh, I was at this game, the CM Newton Classic. Alabama didn't really need the win. They would have liked to have it. But, man, Gonzaga was just unconscious from the field. Alabama was kind of giving the mid-range elbow uh, little runners to the guys like Hickman, Nolan Hickman, the, the Gonzaga point guard. Just kind of letting them have it. For whatever reason, it's the way Alabama is. They don't take a lot of mid-range shots, so they were willing to give those up. And Gonzaga not only matched their great first-half shooting, but they almost doubled it in the second half. Just a great game by Gonzaga. Tip of the cap to them. Alabama has struggled on defense, though, since the loss of Namari Burnett, who looks like he's going to be out another five, four or five weeks with a wrist injury. Alabama's probably best overall defender. They gave up 81 to Memphis without him and then 100 to Gonzaga. That has to improve. Turnovers have to improve. If Alabama could get their turnover down to 12 to 14 a game, I really think they would win 90% of their games in league play. I really do. They would be tough to beat if they did not give up the ball so much. Really liking what Jalen Bradley's doing, and he's become the full-time point guard. Cut back even more so on Quinterly's minutes, because Quinterly comes out there, I think, and has turnovers. He has as many turnovers as he has points. It's just not giving good minutes right now. I saw Oates said Quinterly had probably one of his better practices since the injury yesterday. We'll see how that goes. Um, we'll see how much he plays tonight against Jackson State for the Tide. Um, but it's just a little bit of a weekend recap. We'll go in-depth here. Saturday, Gonzaga, like I mentioned, got the 100-90 win over Alabama. 
The Zags were incredible on offense, shooting 57% from the field for the entire game. Throw in a 41% night from beyond the arc, and it's fair to say the Zags had a good day. Uh, Drew Timmy and Brandon Miller were just the two individual standouts. Brandon Miller for Alabama, 36 total points. Really kept Bama in the game in the second half. Drew Timmy, 29 points, 10 boards. Really did his work. Uh, down low, really feasted on Charles Bediaco. Bama will not see another big like Drew Timmy, I think, that can really create his own shots down low. Uh, have some post moves. I don't. I don't think. I don't think they'll see that again until probably the tournament. I don't think there's anyone in the league. Oscar Sheebway's a force down there, but he, him, and Timmy are different. Uh, Gonzaga needed this one from a quality one-win standpoint. I said that going into last week. It would be interesting Gonzaga being the underdog role. Going across the country in this one, Bama got them last year. Roles were a little reversed. Gonzaga came in at 15th. I think Bama was about 15th or 16th last year when they headed to Seattle. And Gonzaga was ranked in the top five, and Bama was. Little roles reversed, similar to games, honestly. Alabama has to limit the turnovers, like I mentioned, and get better on defense as conference play starts. Would I bet them figuring out? Yes. I do like this Alabama's team. That they're fun to watch. Just limit the turnovers in the last two games without your best defensive player, um, Namari Burnett, who should be back by late January, early February. He'll, they're going to have to replace him. Maybe get some solid minutes from Darius Miles or somebody off the bench from a defensive standpoint. If Darius Miles could understand and be like a 3 and D type player, a guy that doesn't dribble a lot, doesn't handle the ball a lot, but shoots threes when he gets the ball when he's open and then just defends. Um no need to panic, though, from Alabama. Great non-conference showing as they finish 9-2. and two. They should get their 10th win tonight against Jackson State, and they have the number one strength of schedule in the country, according to Ken Palm right now. If you told Alabama fans they were 10-2 and two after going to the PKI, going at Houston, getting Memphis at home, and playing in Zaga, they would take that. Moving over to the desert, Tucson, Arizona, getting a 75-70 win over Tennessee. I was impressed with Tennessee, if I'm being honest. That was a good showing on the road in a very tough environment. The intensity in this game was awesome. At the end of the game, you had a little scuffle. You had Plavik and Ziegler kind of getting after some of the Arizona guys. I told you some bad blood from last year. The free throw discrepancy was very alarming. Tennessee with only 10 and Arizona with 27. That's massive. I thought Tennessee defended well for the most part. Tennessee is... If they are going to make a run in March, it's going to have to have someone step up they can consistently trust from the beyond the arc. Is that Key? Is that Tyreek Key? Is that Vescovy? I don't know. Is it Ziegler? Somebody has to step up. 29% from beyond the arc on Saturday night. Again, I felt better about Tennessee after this game, especially when they get Josiah Jordan-James back, though. I do think their overall ceiling is limited. I just do not trust anyone consistently to step up in big games against good teams. It's, kind of, it's just what it is. But I do think they have the highest floor, like I've said a million times. This is a total team. They need a total team effort offensively. There's nothing wrong with that. But, that, but I'm afraid that's just not going to last come tournament time. I don't know if they really have a guy that are like, yep, let's get him the ball. He's going to go win this game. Maybe every now and then Vescovy or Tyreek Key gets hot or even Ziegler gets hot. But consistently, I, I don't think so. And that's just my opinion. I don't really like the ceiling of the balls, but I love the floor, if that makes sense. Heading to MSG, reviewing it. UCLA gets a 63-53 win over Kentucky. How can you even defend Kentucky's offensive play? Kentucky cut the lead to two on Severe Wheeler's jumper with 431 left to go in the game and never scored another single point after. How, how does that happen? And UCLA honestly wasn't much better as they didn't score from the 411 mark in the second half to, with until 42 seconds left in the game. The two off-season additions from the transfer portal, like I mentioned earlier, just brought this up, Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick have struggled this year. Frederick 
started hot, scoring at least 14 points in three of his first four games, but has disappeared since. That, that can't happen. They're not getting the production out of their transfer portal, guys. Conference play starts in a week and a half, and I see no signs of offensive consistency coming. I think this team may just be who they are at this point. After the Florida A&M game on Wednesday tomorrow, their next four, I'm reading it to you, at Missouri, Louisville at home, LSU at home, and at Alabama. If they are not 3-1 and one after that, there are some major issues. Missouri only lost once. We'll see what they do on Thursday against Illinois, but that should they should win that, Kentucky. Louisville at home, that's a win. LSU at home should be a win. And at Alabama, it's probably the only game they're not going to be favored in, and they could lose. That's why I say 3-1. and one. If they're 2-2 two and two or worse, big problems for Coach Cal and his Kentucky team. Memphis. Getting the 83-79 win against Texas A&M, that puts the Memphis Tigers at, what, 4-1 and one against the SEC this year with their only loss being to Bama. Just felt like A&M never could get the deficit to under four points on Saturday night. Every time the Ags would go on a run, Memphis just gave the ball to one of their leaders, either Kendrick Davis or DeAndre Williams. A&M's ability to rebound them kept it, the ability to rebound this game kept them in it in the second half. They had 15 total offensive boards. Scrappy on the offensive boards. Uh... We all know how Memphis plays. They go through Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams. This is this that is a good team that went four and one. Like I mentioned, I I, I like Memphis as a tournament team. They really are tournament team for sure. As for A and M, it's going to be a steep hole to climb out of this NCAA tournament, in my opinion. They are going to, have to play really good basketball for the next two months. Little room for error, but A and M will will beat two of the top five teams. At some point, in my opinion, most likely at home. I just go look in depth on the schedule, but I think they will get. They're solid enough. Guys like Coleman can be fierce in the offensive boards. If you don't come play against them, they can easily beat you. But also, they can play real bad basketball at times too. A and M just not a good non-conference showing is the weak schedule. They're going to get hot come conference play. Similar situation to last year. Other scores from Saturday: Missouri getting the 68-66 win over UCF. Uh, Missouri getting the buzzer beater win. Missouri is now 10-1 on the season. We're about to find out a lot about Missouri here, though, in the next stretch. Starting this week, Illinois on Thursday, Kentucky at home, and then at Arkansas. First two SEC games, Kentucky at home and at Arkansas. We'll find if Missouri could get one of those three between those. It'd be big. Uh, East Carolina beat South Carolina 64-56. Gamecocks dropped to 5-6 on the season. Tough start in non-conference play for South Carolina as we head into conference play. Mississippi State getting the 68-66 win over Nichols State. State improves to 11-0. Down to the wire game. That state It could have been State's first loss. State did not play well. Still a lot to improve on with this team. And it starts on the offensive end. Shooting 38% from the field and only 14% from beyond the arc. They have an interesting game today against a talented Drake team before Alabama comes in to start Wolf for the SC opener. This one will be interesting for Mississippi State today. This is the Drake Bulldogs come to town. If they can get through this, they'll be 12-0 with Alabama coming to town. Uh, State seems like they're not really playing great ball here the last three games to, to about a week in total. That, that Nickel State game really could have went another way. State was trying to run it out, I believe, had a turnover, and Nickel State launched one at the end to win, and it just clanked off the iron. State's got to improve as we start getting to conference play because their first two games again are Alabama and Tennessee. Two tough ones. We'll find out. Uh, LSU gets an 89-81 win over the Winthrop. They improved to 10-1, probably a little closer than Coach McMahon and his Tiger team once. Ole Miss getting a home win 63-55 over Temple. The Rebs improved to 8-3. The number 10 team in the country, the Arkansas Razorbacks, got the 19-point win, 76-57 over Bradley. Big game for Jordan Walsh. 18 points. They will need that from him consistently as we get into conference play, especially without one of their better players 
uh, in the front court. Trevon Brazell being out, the Missouri transfer. Uh, need more of that kind of stuff from Jordan Walsh, and I think he's very capable of doing it. Uh, good win for Arkansas at home on Saturday. Then finally for the Saturday games, Vandy drops one to NC State, 70-66. to Vandy drops to 5-6 and six on the season. Not the non-conference showing that uh, Coach Stackhouse and his Commodore team would like. Transitioning to Sunday, Auburn drops their first West Coast trip to USC, 74-71. Drops the Tigers to 9-2 and two on the season. Turnovers were the reason for the season for the Tigers on Sunday. And that season, in my opinion, was just being the loss in LA on Sunday afternoon. Auburn had almost the double, almost had double amount of the turnovers USC did with 23. At this point, I think Auburn is who they are at the guard spots. Now, don't get me wrong. They have plenty of firepower at times to go off at Neville Arena at home. But Wendell Green and Katie Johnson can have good games at home, like I mentioned every now and then. But the consistent, consistently uh, at neutral sites and on the road, no. I don't I don't trust their backcourt at all. Auburn is not a bad team, but what do they have to show for their non-conference resume? Best win, is it St. Louis or Northwestern? Auburn should be a tournament team, but they are a lot closer to being an 8-9 seed right now than they are a 3-4. They do not need to go lose tomorrow in Seattle against Washington against a bad uh, Husky team. That would be a bad loss for them. The guy that looks like he's coming on, though, for the Tigers is Trey Donaldson, the true freshman. Looks like he could help the team consistently. But even if it's just him, that's not enough. They aren't getting enough production. They aren't getting the production they thought from uh, Johan Traor either. The former LSU commit that once uh, Will Wade got let go, decided he was going to Auburn, Bruce Pearl. Uh, he, he's only averaging three and a half points per game and two boards per game. They need more help down there. This team just looks out of sync right now, and I currently do not think there are a lot of answers at this moment. Could that change? Absolutely, but this team has a low ceiling in my opinion. They're going to win 7-8 of their nine home games in conference, probably drop anywhere from four to six on the road. I like Auburn kind of being closer to a 10 and eight team in conference right now, but what do they really have to hang their hat on from a win standpoint? Auburn has to get it going. And it starts Wednesday, the game they cannot afford to lose against a below average Washington Husky team. How about the Georgia Bulldogs getting a 77 62 win over Notre Dame? Georgia is now 8-3 on the season. That gets their biggest win of the season. Georgia had two guys shoot perfect from the field, both guys in the front court. Jalen Bridges going 9-for-9, nine nine and Matthew Alexander Moncrief went 6-for-6. Six six. The Irish did what they did from beyond the arc. They're a cold cold-blooded team. I saw them in the tournament last year against Alabama. They create, make, make the extra pass to get the open look from beyond the arc. But they had 14 turnovers for a team that came in averaging eight coming to the game. So it was a good defensive game from the Bulldogs. If Georgia could get something close to that, they could pull a few upsets come conference play. Georgia feels this is the first time they've totally been healthy all year. A lot being just illnesses, not long-term issues that cause players like Deshaun Holt to miss the Georgia Tech game. Georgia should be feeling good about themselves heading into conference play. That's just kind of a wrap-up from the SEC basketball schedule that was on Saturday and Sunday. Not the best weekend for the SEC. Still think, I mean, right now, if I'm being non-biased, you'd have to put them at the third-best league right now after the uh, Big 12 and Big 10. They got a lot of improvement. I think after the four teams, I mean, what's, what's really after that right now? Need Next time they can really show themselves on a national stage would be the SEC Big 12 Challenge, which will be exciting. But as of right now, it's a little bit of a disappointing non-conference play for the SEC, but I think there's going to be improvement Still need to be eyeing getting six to seven teams in the SEC tournament. I mean, sorry, the NCAA tournament. Uh, but previewing this week's games. Let's go to it right here. All right, starting today, we got Wofford, Texas A&M at 1 o'clock. Should be a game Texas A&M should handle. Uh, 2 o'clock, North Alabama comes to Oxford, plays Ole Miss. An interesting game here. One of the better ones of the day, I think. The, the 4 o'clock Central uh 
p.m. tip-off Drake at Mississippi State in Omaha, I believe. Uh, this isn't just a slappy Drake team. They've had better teams. But this is a t- Mississippi State's not playing its best basketball right now, and this is their last shot. This is their last game, last hurdle to get to 12 and 0 before they head into the conference opener. And the first two games will be brutal between Alabama and Tennessee for Mississippi State. So they really need this one. Can't afford to lose this one. I think it's a must win for them. Jackson State heads to Tuscaloosa tonight. This game Alabama should win. This is one of the few games Alabama has played all year where you kind of go into the game. You're like. I mean, what's the rotations going to look like? They should win this game. A little interesting stat, though. Jackson State's head coach, Mo Williams, Mo Maurice Williams, from Jackson, Mississippi, played at Murrah High School. Former Alabama point guard, played in the league for a while for the Utah Jazz, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, big alum, one of the best point guards in program's history. It'll be fun to see him tonight back in Coleman Coliseum. And then probably the best game of the day, Florida at Oklahoma, the Jumpman Classic in Charlotte. It's at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip-off on ESPN2. will be a fun matchup. I, I mentioned the SEC Big 12 Challenge. We get a little bit of that tonight. Florida playing Oklahoma, neutral court in Charlotte. Both teams need this. Both opportunities for quad two wins on a neutral court. So it's, it's a big game, seriously, for both teams. They need this. Uh, it'll be uh, this be one of the funner games to watch for the night. Oklahoma hoping to get they play three SEC teams this year. They already dropped one to Arkansas. They get Florida and they get Bama in the true Big Twelve SEC championship uh, SEC challenge. You know Oklahoma wants to get one of those. Florida needs a big non-conference win. Moving to tomorrow on Wednesday. Got a slate of Chattanooga versus Georgia. This will be another opportunity for Georgia a mature game because the Mocs aren't a bad team. Georgia needs to be locked in, but they should get this. Austin P at Tennessee. Tennessee should get that win. Florida A&M against Kentucky. Kentucky should get things right there. Eastern Tennessee State, East Tennessee State heading to Baton Rouge. I like the Tigers there. UNC Asheville against Arkansas at home. Uh, and then Auburn, like I mentioned, the game against Washington late tomorrow night against a below-average Washington team that heads in. Uh, they're 9-3 right now, but not a lot. I mean, they lost to Cal Baptist. Uh, Oregon State, who's not a very good basketball team. Gonzaga beat them by 17. So this is a game Auburn should win. They do not need to come home 0-2. They really needed to come back 2-0. But uh, maybe the SEC's chance to have a decent showing against the Pac-12. They really need this one. I think the conference needs this one to some extent. Moving to Thursday's action. We got three games, Western Kentucky against South Carolina. South Carolina's not a very good team right now. Look out for Western Kentucky. This one, Alabama A&M heads to Nashville to play Vanderbilt in Coach Stackhouse's team. Beatty should get that win. And the best one on Thursday is number 16, Illinois, playing Missouri. So that should be an interesting game. Missouri, like I said, next three, Illinois, Kentucky, and at Arkansas. That will be a tough matchup. Those will be three tough games for a team. It's kind of fired up about their season right now, as they should be. First-year head coach Dennis Gates, 10-1, the only loss to Kansas. But this game is in St. Louis, Missouri, the Enterprise Center, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time kickoff on or tip-off on the SEC Network. So somewhat of a big week for the SEC, but really we get into conference play December 28th. So we're about a week away from that. Good times here. Good times coming in for the SEC. I like where we're at. Basketball, a little, little bit underachieving in non-conference play, especially this Saturday took a little wind out of the sails. But I think there's some time there. Because, again, I think the league's real young for the most part. I mean, two of the better team, the two best teams in the league right now, everyone in Arkansas, are young. Are teams that have brought in some transfer guys that hadn't played together a lot, have some injuries. 
between Alabama. They're about to get Dominic Welch back before conference play. Namari Burnett should be back by the middle of conference play. Arkansas lost Tra- Travon Brazil for this season. So I still think they're the two best teams, young. But I look for those teams. I like those teams come March because they're both set well for tournament style. Maybe this is the year. The SEC goes out there and does really well in the NCAA tournament. I like the upside on a lot of teams, but teams like Kentucky and Auburn and start carrying their weight. But I appreciate you joining us for this episode of uh, Mock 10 Sports. We're signing day tomorrow through Friday, early signing period. It should be a real fun, exciting time. Keep joining us on social media. I'll be tweeting live as it goes on. I used to live this. This is the first time I've not lived signing day, getting up the facility at 530, making sure everything's there from the show production standpoint, making sure everybody's got their uh, NLI, all the family's got their NLI. They know how to sign it, fax it in, send a picture to the coach's phone. It's a process. Uh, again, keep looking out for your support staff members out there, your favorite team. They have a big night. Not only it's going to be a little bit of a sleepless night for them, but again, fun times. This is why we enjoy it, man. I appreciate y'all joining us. Y'all have a great rest of your week and a great holiday season. If you don't listen to the next one, keep following us on Mach 10 sports for the best information on sec sports.